This episode of Transmissions is brought to you by Prime Toys, where you can get collector-grade toys without the collector-grade prices. Use the code TRANSMISSIONSOCTOBER at checkout for 10% off your order at primetoys.net. This episode is also brought to you with the support of our listeners. If you're able to donate, please visit our support page at transmissionspodcast.com support. On that page, you will find links to donate via Patreon or PayPal. If you can't donate monetarily, please help us out by spreading the word about our show. Hey, hi, it's Greg Berger, the voice of Grimlock, Dinobot leader. I just had a real nice time being on Transmissions podcast, and you're listening to it. Hello, all sentient beings, and welcome to the Transmissions podcast, where we talk about all news, toys, and comic books related to the Transformers. Welcome to the Transmissions Podcast. We're live at TFCon Charlotte 2015, and we're very pleased to welcome a very special guest on the show, Mr. Greg Berger. Is he here? <laughs> wow. Yeah, so he's someone who's been a very big part of our childhood. I mean, we loved robots. We loved dinosaurs as kids. Robot dinosaurs were just amazing, and... You giving voice to uh, Grimlock was just something that, that we will never forget and has been a part of our lives ever since. Me, Dinobot leader, you better not forget. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Berger, thanks for joining us. and uh, Yeah, let's, let's... It's my pleasure. I make it a policy to only go where I'm invited, so thank you for the invitation. <laughs> yeah, if you showed up in our room, just... No, oh, I tried too. going where I wasn't invited, and it didn't work out well at all. <laughs> So uh, let's uh, let's ask a little bit about uh, back in the G1 days of recording Transformers. How did the the voice of Grimlock come about? How did you uh, how did you decide on that voice? Well, Wally Burr was the uh, sort of founding father of the uh, audition process for Transformers. My great good fortune was that he had seen me uh, in a play called Cloud Nine that I was doing in Los Angeles. I was had gotten a job with Wally, uh, actually a wonderful opportunity doing a show called The Littles. And that was among the very first things I had done when I got to LA after, after going through all of the training and efforts and knocking on doors and all of that that precedes most success. <clears throat> but Wally saw me in that play in, in a lot of different uh, roles on stage and it made him more receptive to seeing me for a wider range of things. Well, Wally, uh, Wally Burr was very smart to put material out on the table and say to the actors when they came in, choose three. He didn't predetermine what you would read for. He gave you the option to look through material and see what you thought might be your strongest suits. And I knew uh, Grimlock was a stretch, and he strongly encouraged me to read for it. And uh, I'm a big proponent of doing the detective work and honoring the artist and honoring the writer and really scouring the breakdown and the visuals. You know, I saw the jaw was hinged and I wanted to sort of create that in the audition. So I kind of restricted my own my own skeletal structure so that I, I felt a little more robotized. And um, 
I saw the essentially small brain, big muscle, and uh, action before deliberation. And <clears throat> any actor, when you get all of that wealth of information from the writer and artist, if you honor it, if you're smart, uh, you stir it all around and then try to uh, come up with something original. Obviously, um, L.A. market in particular is flooded with the best in the business, which is to say the best in the world, uh, for the most part. And, uh, the hope is to come in with something that's not already on the table. So you want something unique and fresh and original. And I was the new kid in those days. And, uh, I just, I restricted what I needed to restrict and I pushed what I needed to push. And Wally actually said, I have good news and bad news. They want you for Grimlock. Are you going to be able to sustain what you did in the audition? <laughs> and I said, well, I darn well better because uh, this is fantastic news. Fantastic. And uh, here I am with Transformers Devastation hitting the streets last week and yes. still going. <laughs> <laughs> the ever-ready uh, Dinobot <laughs> keeps going and going and going. Yeah, and uh, you you mentioned the a lot of the, some of the range you did as a as when you were doing the stage play. I mean, yeah, that's that's something we've also noticed with the voice acting as well. I mean, last night. Well, I am squeaked the mouse on the Garfield show, and Odie. Wow! You're rendering me speechless. <laughs> <laughs> And then last night in the voice acting panel, you were also long haul. And yeah, well, I didn't join this outfit to be no dump truck, I'll tell you that. <laughs> remove, remove, remove. It's enough already. Yeah, and also Skyfire, the um, the giant plane. I, I didn't even, as a kid, I didn't know these were all voiced by the same person. How do you achieve such a range like that? Um, I'm drawn to voice-driven characters as an audience and as, a, and as an actor. And... Um, if I dive inside of a character that I'm doing, and I'm also a teacher and I, I'm a big proponent when I teach of uh, the fact that they're never really casting voices. Voices are technically created. They're casting characters. And if you don't do the homework to perceive a character that you're playing in three dimensions, then it's it doesn't matter how unique or interesting or gimmicky a voice is. You know, this is voice acting, but the the capitalized letters are, are the second word. Uh, if, if the acting is true, and if you find the truth of a character, the voice will follow. And if you're fortunate enough to be a multi-voice like I am, and you actually run the risk of forgetting which character sounds like what, as long as you know which character you're jumping into, the rest will always ring true if you do the homework. Uh, it's not just about making funny voices. In fact, it's not really about making funny voices. It's about creating characters. But enough about me. <laughs> no, we're, we're well, what all, do I know? <laughs> we're here to talk all about you. So. <laughs> oh, okay. It really is about me. <laughs> so uh, what was it like to work on the Transformers cartoon back in the 80s? I get the sense that it was not uh, so something that was... Uh, you thought it was going to be a huge 30 years later or was something that was going to have such longevity? Well, it, it, there's actually, a, I mean, it, there's a bigger question. Of course, it was fantastic to actually, 
as an actor, what you you want to connect, you want to be uh, appreciated, and you want to be understood, and you want work. So uh, there's that initial rush because you got the job. But then when you find out that you're going to be part of a series, you're going to have a character that's going to go through twists and changes. And every time you get a new script, you're filtering that through the character that you're already building. And again, the writers and artists are helping you continue to build because you're in a series situation. Now now this character is going to have a life over time. Um, and you get to put all those pieces in and uh, sort of grab each new script as it comes in to find out where you're going this episode and what changes you're going through. So that part's all thrilling. It, there's another thing that it leads to, because when I teach, I now am able to look students in the eye and tell them that, I encourage you to do everything you do today as though someone might fondly remember it decades from now, a couple of decades from now, um, because I'm the beneficiary of that of that philosophy, that wisdom, you know. I don't do anything unless I'm going to do it fully, but it allows me to encourage them to bring their A game every time. If you're too tired, nobody cares. If you're a little under the weather, nobody cares. Just do what you came to do and treat it as though... It might have a life after the day you do it. Uh, I've had the great good fortune of being around the world because of the work I do. Um, a lot of the generation that, that grew up on these shows now comprises convention generation and their kids. Uh, and in a couple of cases, grandkids. Uh, it's, it's extraordinary. And Transformers, although we knew... Wally was a firm taskmaster, and Wally Burr had a very strong sense of the show. And Flint Dilly and all of the people writing, story editing, and supervising had a strong sense of the show. You need to know on the recording side of the glass that the people on the other side of the glass who've been at it for months and or years, in the case of some games and other shows, they... they are more familiar with what you're being asked to do than you are. They they have the storyboard in front of them. As a rule, we don't. Anyway, I'm making a long answer out of a short (laughs) question, but uh, it was so important in in the development of my career because, you know, I was standing in the presence of people that I was thrilled to be working with. I'm not undervaluing my my contributions, but... It was a really tough game of jump rope, and you better be ready to jump uh, just to keep up with what was going on. Um, Wally would never stop until he got what he needed, but look at the result and the longevity of the result and the loyalty of the followers of that result, which was the show um, and still is the uh, franchise, certainly the G1 part of it. Um we uh, first we got the show. We got the show, and we realized sort of soon after that uh, when it began to air, that people were embracing it, that that they liked this show. So we suddenly, uh, because it was all new, 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 being born. Uh, then we found out uh, the numbers were good, and we were picked up. So that's that's a whole big celebration. But you don't really understand until you start meeting fans one-to-one 
the impact that this show in particular has had on so many lives. And I was doing G.I. Joe at the same time. Spirit, possibility, and impossibility are states of mind. <laughs> in my mind, there is only the possible that which can be done. Um, Our listeners are going to love this. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, so all of that was going on, but I was still kind of learning while I earned. I was watching Colin and Arthur Burkhart and Welker and uh, Michael Bell and, and everybody that I was now a colleague of and a contemporary of, even though I was relatively newer on the scene than they were. So uh, you can't give a short answer to this question. It was a very powerful experience for me as far as uh, the launch of what has become my career. You know, plus... <laughs> They were long sessions, and uh, if Scatman brought his ukulele, uh, you just wanted them to go on longer. <laughs> right. uh, well, you didn't really want them to go on longer, but uh, it was it was time spent, and and because there was so much time spent together, if you weren't in the scene, you were in the parking lot or the green room. So friendships were launched of of people who have had very thriving careers, who I'm still great friends with. And get to see it at a lot of conventions and studios all over L.A. Awesome. Uh, one, I don't know if you remember, there was one episode of the cartoon where Grimlock actually got smart. Do you remember doing that? Oh, heck yes. Uh, <laughs> so, so I, also, I also had the good sense to give it all to Computron at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you mentioned about uh, getting into a character and when a character changes and grows. So how did you morph Grimlock's traditional voice to the super smart voice. I tried to stay somewhat hinged, but also to, uh, if, if someone, if you're an actor and somebody says, okay, I'm raising your IQ by 200 points, <laughs> uh, you, it, that does something to you. It triggers something in you and, and you kind of make organic changes to accommodate the new information. I think that's what, as actors, we're supposed to do. Um, Anytime there's there's a new script, there's new information. Anytime it takes a twist and a turn, there's new information. You just integrate it, and uh, I'm pretty sure Wally was happy just sort of first attempt out of the box. Uh, we didn't do 50 different versions of Grimlock with his new brain. Uh, it just felt right, and hopefully that's because I was already so in tune with... Look, Grimlock's been very good to me, and I hope I've been very good to Grimlock. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned earlier about the the new game that's uh, that's out, and we we've, we've both got a chance to play it, and we we love it. We we love hearing Grimlock again. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Grimlock destroy everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, is there a big difference between doing voice acting for video games versus a TV show? Uh, there is a. Uh, there is a big difference in the recording process. Uh, the relationship in games is usually between the actor in the booth and the director. Because you're in a virtual universe of nearly infinite possibility, it also requires <laughs> nearly infinite number of reads of almost every scenario, just so you can cover player-driven action. Uh, as the player guides the action, you may have different responses in the same situation. So it's almost ne a necessity to record actors in isolation one at a time and then put it all together like a jigsaw puzzle. How the sound editors do that is beyond me. I don't know. 
Transformers, uh, the animated series and the animated feature, um, was all done ensemble. Wally Burr insisted that everybody in a scene be in the scene. If you weren't in the scene just for noise and, and other uh, problems, we would wait outside and just get better acquainted as friends. Um, <clears throat> so I think actors kind of contagiously feed off each other in uh, an ensemble situation where you get to, you know, play together. And um, I imagine it's kind of like sports where you have the best players in the world. They all bring each other's game up. I think it's exactly like sports. I think uh, from a casting standpoint, they're always trying to build a team who can make the play. You know, you, you players tend to be totally in sync with each other. That's part of putting together a winning team. Uh, the goal is always to put together a winning team, and that it it kind of it involves things beyond the audition itself. You kind of all want to get the same joke. If if they're really putting together a a, a show that has uh, a charisma and an energy that works, it's usually because all of the people are very compatible as people. And uh, you also did a, a video game voice recently for a previous game, I guess it was Fall of Cybertron. Now that was an interesting twist and turn. Uh, <laughs> because... Uh, in, in the same way that, that uh, Grimlock's new brain took it in a direction nobody or I couldn't have anticipated. Fall of Cybertron and Matt Teeger from uh, High Moon put together a, a very sort of cinematically viable, darker, more graphic uh, playing field for, for this this game. And he created a series of obstacles that actually created Grimlock's uh, hesitations and trying to think, <laughs> uh, but he they 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 housed that in a really credible scenario, which I loved. I loved the challenges of it. I loved the explanations of it. I loved the little uh, nuanced twists and turns of it. I just thought it was very very uh, good. I'm very proud of that work, but. Honestly, I'm I'm going to give everything I've got to everything I do, um, so I'm pretty much proud of all my work. And did they just contact you for the video game work? Did it, was it through Hasbro, or did the studios contact you directly? Uh, they contacted me to ask me to read for it because they they needed uh, assurance that everything was going to work for the directions that they wanted to take it, uh, and so. I gladly did. Uh, it uh, it it had a happy outcome <laughs> <laughs> for us as well. Yeah, that was also a very good game. Um, so, getting back to you mentioned, uh, you know, getting the opportunity to go to fan conventions as well. So, what? So, what's the most interesting reaction you've got from fans uh, regarding your either? From Grimlock or any other characters that you voice? Well, there's two kinds of convention, or there's a few kinds of conventions that I am invited to. The there are Transformers-centric conventions where, again, like I was saying before, everybody kind of is on the same ripple of the same pond. Everybody knows what everybody else is talking about. Then there's San Diego Comic Con and all of the larger cons of that ilk, but those are under just an entire pop culture roof. So it's so diverse that the people who are looking for you find you. But 
there's there's sci-fi and actually book comics and and uh feature films have found their way in and uh it's it's really vast and it's a phenomenon which is born in our generation but it just seems to keep getting bigger people love this experience it's uh it's i mean you know it's quirky and it's fun and it's energetic in a way that nothing else is energetic it's a little bit like the circus it's a little bit like wrestling it's it, it's yeah. just it's everything uh but it's it it feeds me and i think i would be an attendee even if i weren't uh an invited guest but i hope i continue being an invited guest yeah. um have you been having a pretty good time this weekend fantastic um i really and I don't think this is the case for all performers, but those of us who love the convention circuit love it because, um, you know, people want to hear our story, but we also want to hear their story. Uh, a lot of, a lot of lives were influenced. Somebody introduced me at a panel and said, the person I'm bringing up now is the reason I was late for my first period class when they were on in the morning. <laughs> and the reason I left my last period class early when they were on in the afternoon it's just everybody seems to have a sentimental attachment and remember where they were and what it meant to them. You know, and I will be the first to say, maybe I'm not the first to say, but I'm sure there are untold shows, games, scripts, screenplays that are fantastic, but for whatever reason, they didn't reach their intended audience. So I'm not blasé about about uh, being grateful for the fact that this did become identifiable, did grow, did go through twists and changes with a fan base and fandom that that uh, actually has allowed and encouraged all of the changes and just incorporated it into this franchise, which is gigantic. Um, so the pop culture cons are unbelievable as far as diversity, but the show-centric cons where it's about one thing are kind of more intimate and more it's just everybody you see around the venue is all talking about the exact same thing and that's really cool yeah i've heard from people that have gone to san diego that it's almost too big and it's hard for them to find who they want to see well it's there there's a story about uh, four people who get in the car and go to san diego comic-con they lose each other in the first five minutes each of the four does different things than the other three, and they find each other at the end of the day and say, you won't believe what you missed. But all four will say that right. because everywhere you go, so it's it's the circus again. It's just fantastic. Wow. Uh, so I don't know if you've uh, if you've caught up to the with the live action movies at all or, or watched those. Have you? Uh huh. So uh, the most recent one featured the Dinobots, but to our extreme disappointment they they didn't talk at all um i think that was pointed out by reviewers and audience and uh, you know everything goes where it goes and i won't i i think the films have been eye candy beyond belief uh if you if you want that virtual world to become real i think they were incredibly successful at doing that um i was uh thrilled to see Grimlock brought into that wor that world as well and where it goes anybody knows but uh, fandom has been so vocal about their wants and desires that um, 
I, I think uh, keep those cards and letters coming in because <laughs> right. it's it's I mean, all good. It's, it's the reason Peter Cullen was in the movie. Well, so. and he's he says that, and I've heard that said. So I mean, start a new campaign to get get you in as Grimlock. Uh, I yeah yeah <laughs> keep keep those cards and letters coming. <laughs> no, if if asked, I would proudly serve. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, Transformer toy? Other or Grim, is it Grimlock or someone else? Or it's uh, it's the entire toy line. I, I I mean, people put things on my signing table that I haven't seen before, and you always recognize what's new and what's different. And you know, from from other countries, it's it's global in nature. So I I get kind of uh, big kid eyes every time I see something I haven't seen before. I can't I can't. Restrict it to one. Uh, the Masterpiece Grimlock is just a monstrously great... Uh, it's an art piece. It, right. it, it's everything. So, yeah, I'm partial to Masterpiece Grimlock, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, we noticed on your IMDb page that uh, you're recently doing some voice work for Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. I've uh, been doing it over the years. Uh, I still do it. Peter Cullens, of course, still does it. And a guy named Bud Lucky, who's a Pixar illustrator, does it. But yes, I get to lose my tail in the hundred acre wood. It doesn't happen off. Well, yes, it does. In fact, my tail just fell off again. Not to mention it's a blustery day. Probably gonna rain. Usually does. At least on my house. Ho hum. Do you and and Peter ever I just kept talking because it's like massaging my vocal cords to do it. Yeah. You and Peter ever, you know, share tips on you know characters like that that you've both done? Uh we you just talk about what you talk about, but uh, honestly, more often in session it's 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 more about whatever's going on in the news that day. We're just we're just friends, colleagues. Now, one thing um I remember at BotCon, I believe it was the one in Dallas a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. you and David Kay, who had also done um, Grimlock, had a funny <laughs> back and forth. Yeah. So. Somebody somebody uh, put it to anything you can do, I can do better, right. but they you had us do, can do sing it. Yeah. <laughs> sing the song as, as our respective Grimlocks. Yeah. That, that was a treat. Do you have a favorite voice role of all the ones you've done over the years? You might as well ask me which of my children is my favorite. I, I, I uh, the answer is different ones for different reasons, and I'm not trying to be goody goody, but holy cow! I mean, just the Garfield franchise alone is that's a family. The Transformers franchise is a family. I, I just. I'm very, I invest in my work and I stay invested in the work that I've done. And I'm not trying to overstate or understate, but, uh, you know, I feel close to all of these characters and I try to reach out and find what's me in them and what's them in me. And, and, uh, it all becomes just, it's like my family. It really is. Wow. And uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, but uh, what's changed the most for you since uh, since you started voice acting? Well, I I feel like in the G1 days, it was like there was this incredibly, back to uh, winning teams, 
there was this incredibly gifted dugout and, and it was a limited number of people who were the voice acting community. But that dugout has become a bleachers and it's on its way to a stadium. So, uh, the, 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 not, I won't say competition because I don't, either I'm naive or that's not terribly present in the voice acting world because everybody has so much respect for each other once you get past a certain tier of the community and you're in the working membership. Everybody's fantastic. Everybody's good enough to do anything. Um, so it's not like that, but there are so many more people who have entered the field that unless you, you have to work <clears throat> with more dedication to be unique, to be original and to bring things to the table that aren't already at the table. There are actors who enter the voice acting field because they can sound like this person or they, uh, that person. Those people are already there. Uh, it's much more about what you have to offer that isn't already there. So, I mean, I'll never stop trying to reinvent, recreate, be fresh, be original, be unique, and uh, try to figure out what, what's the read that they're not hearing on something. Or can you, can you read against type and make it more interesting? What can you do to make this stand out? And uh, in a way, that's what has always been the case, but it's more the case now, much more, because there's so much uh, potential casting that you have it's to wade through. Not people in Hollywood now. It's it, all over. Yeah, you have, you have to wade through the waters and find a way to surface uh, that makes you... But that, that's built on your internal workings. You just have to uh, make what you do have all of those qualities. You, you can't just win like arm wrestling by, by powering some situation in your favor. It's not doable. You just, it's done with talent. Well, I think uh, we got to the end of our questions. Yeah. So thank you. Well, so I'm a blabbermouth, as you can tell. <laughs> it makes it easy for us. Yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate your interest and I appreciate everyone's support. And uh, I look forward to seeing you at a con or event somewhere uh, down the road. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. All right. Uh, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you can hear the transmissions podcast uh, every all the time. Uh, go check our website. And thanks again to Mr. Berger for joining us today. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for picking up our transmissions. Give us feedback on our website at www.transmissionspodcast.com. There you can find all of our contact information on social media, as well as all of the links to our show notes discussed on each episode. You can also email us directly at feedback at transmissionspodcast.com.